What's up, everybody? My name is James York, and this is the B Podcast. The story behind the name B is that I'm a hip hop head, and Common's album B is my favorite album of all time. It is a timeless album about life and stepping into who you really are. That's what this podcast is all about to just be. Be you, be great, be the best version of yourself. Over the years, I've read hundreds of books and articles on self-help and becoming the very best version of myself. I've had over a thousand hours of therapy and coaching, and as I go through this personal journey of becoming my highest self, I want to invite you to join me. Together, we will learn and grow each day, mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, and emotionally, all while showing compassion and empathy to others, having some fun along the way. I'm no expert, but if I can learn something new and help you to grow, that's what I intend to do. Thank you for listening to the Beat Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's James York, and this is the Beat Podcast. We have a special guest in the building, Cindy Nielsen. She is a graduate from Northwestern University, a licensed professional counselor at Skylight Counseling Center. She provides professional counseling services to individuals, families, couples, and groups. And it is a pleasure to have her on the B Podcast. Cindy, how you doing tonight? Hey, I am great. I am so happy to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, thank you for making the time. You know, this is a pleasure to sit down with you. Um, me and you have had conversations in the past about mental health and counseling and everything. And just to be able to have your voice on this podcast is amazing. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm, I was thinking back to when we first really spoke about mental health. And I think it was before the pandemic or the very, very beginning. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was the beginning of the pandemic. I think we were like not even six months in when we had the conversation. Oh, and, my goodness. You know, mental health is just, it's such a thriving thing right now, which is a good thing and a bad thing to me because yeah. we have the awareness, but a lot of people are struggling as well, as you know. Oh, yeah. The need is higher than ever. And while there has been a big shift towards less stigma, um yeah i mean it's it's just it's just been brutal yeah i can only imagine someone in your position seeing you know what you see on a normal day-to-day basis but before we get into that can you tell the b community a little bit about yourself oh sure okay let's see um so I am, a, I guess, a pandemic therapist. I graduated right at the start. And um, I, a little bit about me. Before I, I was a therapist, I also had um, what feels like another life or something. But I worked in um, the nonprofit sector. And I did a lot of program work and fundraising. And that was my world. I... I, I was like a very avid runner. Um, I've always been a lifelong dancer. And now actually it's really exciting because I'm merging a lot of my passions. So I am taking steps towards getting a license in dance movement therapy. So that's like, I mean, a lot of people think that dance movement therapy is just dancing, 
But what has been very cool is that like movement is very loosely defined. It could be as something as simple as just breathing. And so being able to engage the body and the mind has been just like very transformative for my own life. Um, and then to be able to integrate it into my therapy practice has just been really cool. And um, it just, it feels like the work, take, it goes to a new level, kind of like bypasses the ego. So um, other than that, I, I live in Chicago and I got a cat who we were just talking about earlier. <laughs> He's really crazy. And um he was just running down the hall like a little psycho, which um, <laughs> is fun. But I guess that's why we have cats, right? To just like right. keep us entertained. <laughs> he right. he has uh, he's been a really key player in my therapy practice as well, um, making himself known often. And yeah, it's been it's been interesting practicing from home during this time. How has the the dance therapy helped you in your personal growth and also your own healing journey? Ooh. Oh man. Okay, so I'd say when it when it first really be, it clicked for me, it was in yoga class. I think a lot of people have similar experiences where they're suddenly they're in a pose and then there's just this like rush of emotion that comes through. And for me it was it was the pigeon pose. So like a lot of trauma just like stored in my hips. And when that released, I was like, oh my God, there is something undeniable about the body-mind connection. And so just like playing with that, exploring how else like trauma is stored in me has been yeah, just like there's, there's been a huge release and a huge freedom to being able to move in a way that feels authentic to me. Because as a trained dancer, I, I felt oftentimes like I had to get my body to perform in a certain way, to look a certain way. And there was this dissociation that happened for me between my mind and my body. And so really being intentional about um, feeling into what is it really like to be in my body and then and then like help other people to embody themselves embody emotional states it's um, it's kind of, the way I see it is kind of like um, like going to a trainer or something and like working out a specific rather than like a muscle working out like an emotion mm. but like with your body. Mm. It's so deep on so many levels. Like I know for me, when I'm relaxed and I'm hearing music and it's flowing through me and I'm able to dance and express myself in that manner, it is really freeing. And it, it, it is an expression of your emotions. And, you know, you're using, um, I think I would say like a trainer, you're using emotions that you haven't used before because you're using your body to express that, whatever dance moment that is. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, you just don't even have words for it yet. Like, it's just this, it's just this experience that, you know, I, I think our, our thinking brains really want to make sense of it and apply all this meaning to it. At least mine definitely does. And I think that's pretty common for a lot of people. 
Um, but like, yeah, taking a pause and being able to suspend the place where you experience something and then you add meaning to it is, um, it's a big part of what dance movement therapy is about. And I think it's also, it's primitive to a certain extent because we as human beings used to gather around a fire at one point and drum and just dance and like, you know, whether it was a celebration or, you know, a death of somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, and even today we do the same at weddings. And then, you know, after funerals, repasts, if we're celebrating the life or the memory of someone. So I think it's something that's innate in our human existence and our DNA um, that we should all you know, grasped at some point. Oh my God, a hundred percent. I mean, it's not a coincidence that across cultures we do similar yeah. things, right? Yeah. Around big occasions, we move our bodies in mm-hmm. sync with each other, and there's this yeah. bonding that happens, and it it just it feels it feels good. It feels celebratory. It feels like we're able to really connect. Yeah, absolutely. So going into your counseling career, how did you get started in counseling? Like what made you pursue counseling and want to be a licensed professional counselor? Oh man, it starts at the very, very beginning. So my my parents are both in the field. So my dad is a trained psychoanalyst and couples counselor. Wow. Um, he also, I mean, he was in school forever. He's also a psychiatrist. Um, and my mom was a social worker and then became a lawyer and, and then transitioned into career counseling. So, I mean, pretty much my whole life, we were talking about these things. It's just like in my blood um, to just always be thinking about like what someone's emotional experience. You know, anytime I experience something in my childhood that was confusing to me like like you know maybe a kid was mean to me they didn't they didn't invite me to something I um might come back to my mom and I remember her saying like well you know how how do you think they're doing like what do you think is going on for them like maybe um you know just always always considering the other person's feelings that was just like my go-to way of thinking about the world and I think um, what's interesting is that like my path into this work was circuitous. It 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 was kind of like a boomerang because I didn't go directly into it. And in fact, I I think I kind of it was almost a way of rebelling against the family of like yeah. doing my own thing. And um, I mean, I still found myself in very much like a helping field. But what I found was that I. Once I got an office, I had a lot of coworkers coming into my office and like we were just doing therapy basically and <laughs> I loved it and yeah. I was like having to stay real late because I wasn't actually doing my job, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so um, I needed to, yeah, kind of like take a hard look at, at my my future figure out was this really what I wanted was it where I could see myself forever potentially like at least for until retirement and the answer was no and I was like I, I gotta I gotta figure out maybe how to get paid to actually do the parts of this day that I'm, I've created for myself um, that I that I really enjoy 
was it a moment that you decided to leave um, the not-for-profit field or was it just a culmination of things that occurred? Like, what was that that instance that you was like, you know what, this isn't for me? Oh, I think it happened over a series of time, like just a series of moments. Um, you know, I, I think maybe a lot of people can relate to the experience of like going out with coworkers and complaining a lot about their job yeah. if it's a bad situation. Um, and so that was where I found myself. Like we, while it was really bonding and it felt good to like indulge in, I guess, sort of the office politics and drama. Um, yeah. Probably what it was was that like my, <laughs> it was sort of like like certain things that were keeping me there that like kept it good enough, sort of maintained the balance towards yeah. staying. Those things started to leave. Mm. So like I loved my boss, for instance, and she went on maternity leave. And so like mm -hmm. it was, it was stuff like that that was like, oh, okay, the scale is tipping. And then it yeah. pushed me into having to do a harder look at myself. Yeah, like I'm not really here because I enjoy the work. I'm here for the people. Yes. And the work is just complimentary. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Been there before. I can, I can relate to that. But how did your non-for-profit work? help with counseling now? Mm. I mean, mostly the, the probably one of the biggest things that it's helped me with is just having had the experience of working in a group, working with a, um, in an office is like surprisingly not always a therapist's background. A lot of people, they know they want to go into this work and so they pursue it they study psychology they go right in to get a master's they may not have that experience of working in an office so in grad school that surprised me and i found myself like really like leaning on that experience as being helpful um, just for understanding my clients who are like they have to go to jobs that they don't like you know and that they that they are, they're just doing to get a paycheck or like they're finding the good in it or um, they have to deal with a really difficult boss. You know, just being able to use that experience is helpful. Um, and then another part of my job was that like, I was, I was helping people navigate, like, you know, running for the Chicago Marathon when you might get, well, Siobhan ran the Chicago Marathon. So she like, um, like running and raising money was a really a big part of doing that race. Yeah. So like I coached people who were training for the marathon and yeah. then I also helped them to like conquer their fear of asking people for money. Um, mm. And I, I think that stuff kind of lended over to, I guess, like the other work, but the goals are just so much more, they're, they're, to me now, they're, they're just like the, the goals of therapy are much more nuanced and more personal and yeah, and interesting. My, my therapist always says it's like, it's not a goal that we're trying to achieve. It's a journey. And it's yeah. to be 
it's to be viewed from that lens. So like I can see how the two are very similar but very different. And one, you're trying to get this person to the finish line. With another, you're trying to change someone's perspective on life. That is so poetic. Yes, I love <laughs> that. That is very true. That it is about helping people to appreciate the journey. And 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 even the destination may not even it may not even be that great sometimes. Like we mm-hmm. anticipate the destination being you know, like it's going to make us feel really, really happy. But then actually even the destination might be kind of lackluster. And so then how do we refocus and, and maybe make it even about about something that's beyond that? Yeah. Yeah. I I so resonate with that because, um, and you'll understand this, if the viewers or if the listeners don't, um, I would suggest you Google it. Mm-hmm. But on the Enneagram, I'm a type three. Oh, nice. I'm a type three. And um, for the 16 personalities, the the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. Mm. So having both those type of personalities, I'm an overachiever. Um, I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to stay present in the moment. And it's hard for me to grasp those nuances that you were talking about. Yeah. So I have to actually look at things like a movie. Like and take myself out of things sometimes and look at it like this whole journey of life is like a movie yeah. that's being currently written and walked through and whatever is happening, I have to observe it right now and be present. And that's the way that I I have to kind of stay present in the moment instead of just being future focused and mm-hmm. I need to achieve this goal. And once I achieve this goal, let's knock down the next one and go on to the next one. And it, it leaves you unfulfilled, like you said, because you're constantly trying to get to the next thing and the next thing. A hundred percent. It is, it's painful to realize that because Mm -hmm. our culture is also really rooted in um, accomplishments. You know, that's what we get graded on. That's in school and that's what's celebrated often. And so, I mean, for you, like, how, how do you stay present? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, so I meditate. Yeah. So that is one thing that I do to stay present. Um, I'm also, like, my day job is in IT. So I'm constantly um, thinking about what can happen as far as, you know, preventative measures and I'm also trying to be active and proactive at the same time so it's hard to stay present during work but what I do is I'll take a break um, and then go on a walk or Mm -hmm. I have um, this book which I love it's the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday this is one of my favorite books because it it really breaks down like just on a daily, what we can kind of strive for in, in just small little chunks, small goals and things. And it comes from the Stoics like Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and different people like that who lived a long, long time ago without mm-hmm. any technology, but they were very wise and poetic. Mm-hmm. And things like that just kind of helped me to take a pause during my day yeah. of busyness and just reflect and stay present. Yeah. Like to be able to just zoom out 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So getting back to your childhood just a little bit, um, your father, a psychiatrist, your mom, social worker and career counselor. I feel like you had an unfair advantage mm. as far as <laughs> as far as emotional and just mental, um, you know, foundation. Like mm-hmm. you, you had a very good foundation as far as I can, you know, see from your perspective. Um, how did that help you in interactions with other children, with you know, um, with romantic relationships? Like, how did that head start help you to see things from a different lens? Oh, oh my God! Yeah, it's. <sighs> I am very grateful for the lens that I got to be able to see the world, to see relationships, to, to just be able to, I think sort of maybe going back a bit to like what I had said before, it feels still feels true here that like taking the perspective of the other person was very like front of mind for me. Um, But I think, you know, like with any, with any child, there there can be this like because because we're so logical as kids, and it's like like well we're so um, black and white that like mm. something is you have to do it all this way and not the other way, and if you do it like that, then you're bad or something. So like yeah. I think for me, one of the things was that like. I was so nice. I'm such a nice kid. Like I treated everybody the way that, you know, I, I wanted to be treated and like with respect. And, and um, sometimes it just left this blind spot for me to miss how I might have not been getting that in return. And so I would find the good in everybody um, including the school bully, you know, because I was so empathize, I was empathizing with them so much that it would be like, oh yeah, well he's, you know, maybe maybe there's something going on at home that's making this happen here, and then um, I think for that reason, I I kind of like was a bit naive and I didn't have boundaries. Like I I actually I know boundaries is a really hot like um topic lately and and probably for the last probably for the most the majority of the pandemic which is interesting um like people getting very clear on what they will and won't put up with because of necessity um but yeah for for me i i I thought that setting boundaries was mean like i was like i was so over identified with being nice that I thought, you know, even like leaving a party early was mean. And so I'm like, I might have even had a really good reason to go, but I was the last one standing, you know. And um, so just being able to think like assert myself in a way that's also still considering the other person has been like, has been a really a lot of skill building around that has happened in the last year. That's good. That's that's really important. I think boundaries, I'm still learning how to navigate that very complex ideal as well as myself, you know, because we all come from different, you know, situations and foundations. And 
navigating that is not easy. Relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have the pleasure of meeting you and experiencing your energy. And you talk about empathy and compassion. And I've witnessed that firsthand from you. How does that correlate with your counseling career? How do you invite that in, especially during a pandemic when you may not be meeting with every one of your clients in your counseling? Hmm. Well, I'd say it's kind of like, it feels like the, like the barometer of every interaction. Um, seeing how much empathy someone has for themselves um, or how little they have for themselves or others. And just being able to interject it in a way where they can hear it kind of feels like my sweet spot at times. I love it. Like when I, yeah, when you get in there, when someone's being like super hard on themselves and then they're able to have this zoom out moment of like, oh, oh, wait, yeah, I already am doing something that like makes me proud in this area. And them actually like seeing themselves accurately and not just for like the stuff that they don't like about themselves, the stuff that makes them feel ashamed, but to also see the things that like really make them feel proud is um It's like my favorite thing. And that's such a good thing to have because we're so hard on ourselves. And to be able to pull it back and say like, hey, you know, you accomplished this this week and you didn't even recognize that. Like I, Mm -hmm. that's something that I struggle with Mm -hmm. myself. So having that in my therapist, having him do that really helps me with just my personal growth. Yeah. 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 Totally. And, and I think, you know, when, when the pandemic first started that I felt like I just kept on saying that over and over again, like one more day of this, like you're doing it, this is hard. Um, and what's interesting is that like, there's been this greater well, um, or, um, what feel resourcing. It feels like there's this greater, um, ability for people to maybe empathize with their own experience because it has been so hard and then from here being able to make space for the parts of them that like they do want to work on you know and holding them to their goals and being able to you know like sit in shame and 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 move through it like it's I'd say like it's the most it's where the most change can happen and like sitting with the parts of us that just make us want to run away because that's where the greatest harm happens. That uncomfortableness, like sitting in that, that's where growth has to occur. How important Yeah, yeah, absolutely empathy empathy for self. Yeah. How important do you think personal growth is in just the overall journey in your counseling somewhere? Hmm. I mean, I think it's like probably the, I, I'm biased, but I, I think it's the most important thing that like, you know, 
a lot of people, um, well, a lot of people that come in for therapy, they are blaming themselves. So their ability to relate to themselves and grow, um, it's like it changes everything. Um, but you see it the other way too, I guess not a lot of people who are like blaming everybody else for their problems would come in for therapy. Although they do come in often as like a part of a couple. Um, so that's sort of interesting when they get dragged into therapy and they're all, they're still going, that's not me. It's all them. Um, but like the same is true for them that like, if they were to sit with themselves and work on the parts of them that I guess get triggered when they're, when they're hurt by other people, then I think the world would be a lot better. So on the flip side of that, how do you respond to a person that doesn't want to grow? Who's more stuck in ways and Mm. doesn't really even say they don't even want to be in therapy. They don't want to be in counseling. They just kind of showed up. And they have intentions to grow. How do you go about Mm -hmm. helping them? Yeah, well, that's the that's the biggest question. I don't a lot of I I don't think you really can help Mm. someone who doesn't want to change. They're totally stuck in their ways. They're gonna stay stuck in their ways. I think probably the thing you could continue to do is just point out how staying stuck is hurting them, even if they think that it's not, or it's hurting the people that they love. And right. Like, so, so just continuing to be a mirror and reflect it back and not, not buying into the story of like every, that they're perfect and they got nothing to, to change. Cause, cause nobody's perfect. Like we all have shadow Absolutely. We all got work that we got to do. Yeah. Let's admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me about how yeah. those people that are stuck in their ways, um, not passing judgment or anything, but can you tell me how the learned behaviors from their past affect them and how they perceive things? Like when you, from a counselor's point of view. Mm. Um. Well, it's hard to talk about. I don't. I don't know if I can generalize like like that. But I mean, I guess likely it. it I I'd say that the things that that people most the people where where people harm each other the most is in what I just like referred to very like obscurely of of a shadow, right? That like. There, we all have these parts of us that go into like a metaphorical shadow, like a thing that we don't want to look at. Like it causes shame or discomfort. And so there was something about their experience that just made it so that integrating that part of who they are was like not okay. Um, That's why you see a lot of people who are like, um, you know, they're, they're struggling with their own sexual identity. They, um, oftentimes are like really, really terrible to people who are are like publicly out and like localizing 
the thing that makes them uncomfortable in others. Um, and that like that, that process is projective identification. And um, so, so I think that like, the, like whatever, wherever they were shamed um, is where they would want to look at, I like you know, that. to I like grow. A lot. Going back to being present um, and just in this time period of the pandemic, how do you help your clients take a pause or a mental break when it seems like we were at one point, you know, paused during the pandemic, but now it seems like things are busier than ever. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. I know that the initial period of pause was so nice. Um, well, for, for me, cause yeah, a lot of people did not have a pause that was nice. Um, I, I think that it, it's like just in these little moments, wherever you can find them of like, just being able to take a breath, um, like fully exhale, you know, like how often do we fully, fully exhale? That feels good. That feels good to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just a, it's, I think it's just setting an intention to do it. Like um, something that I really love to do that I started a habit of in grad school was just like putting post-its all over <laughs> the place and like they'd be these little like self-talk reminders, you know, and just like being your own best friend being the person who's like looking out for you, you know, we all have that higher self who knows what we need. We just sometimes get, we don't get quiet enough to actually hear ourselves. I love that. I'm, I'm going to steal that uh, post-it note idea. Like I like that a lot. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> tell me how you can help someone with a, say a work-life balance issue. They're a workaholic and they're suffering in their lives. Like family is just, you know, going down, but they're just work, work, work. That's all they work, they want to do. But it's affecting everything, with, including their mental, their physical, and their emotional health. How would you help someone like that? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Well, I, I think you just want to first... First, I think it it goes back to like people need to understand that they're they're heard first. So like, you know, really understanding why do they have to work this hard? You know, what what is it that it's serving for them? What's the purpose of needing to to work this much? You know, is there a goal that they think is really important that they have to reach? Is it by you know, some milestone that they've built up in their head that it has to happen this way, or, um, you know, maybe, maybe money is really tight right now. And that, and like that is stressing them out and they feel like a huge amount of responsibility to support themselves and other people in their lives. Um, so just really like understanding why they're doing that in the first place is I think where I would want to start. And then, from there, just like asking questions, you know, just asking the questions of, you know, like, is there any room 
is there are there other things that you'd want to do you know like um what do you feel you're, you're missing out on if you lived your whole life and you never changed this behavior mm. would you regret it and just eliciting that's deep yeah that other part thinking about who they'll be in the future you know to you think about today you hey you're 40 years old but think about this person that you are you know doing the same thing at 60 getting the same results you know is that who you want to be that scares people because that opens their eyes because time is undefeated yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there was this study that was fascinating where they actually were able to get they, they had images of people like projected out like 20 years into the future and they were able to see themselves like what they would look like and it was this it was it was about fine like investing in their like investing money in their future people who actually saw their image um where mm. they invested more and then the people who just sort of imagined what that would look like. So yeah, forward projecting and especially like visualizing who, like what that life will look like, what it'll feel like in our bodies. It, it just like wakes something up inside of us that it just makes it feel more real. One of the most powerful, I would say it was probably just an exercise that I did was for this course on purpose and the author of the course told everyone to write a letter to themselves at 80 years old to yeah and so i'm imagining myself visualizing myself as an 80 year old writing this letter to my past self and that is it's a deep thing because you have to imagine all this life that you still have left and then writing this to yourself now, it makes you think like, I want to be there and I want to accomplish these things. And I want to, you know, love my family in this way. And I want to leave this type of legacy because at the end of life, that's all we really have is love, family, legacy, you know? So yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's really deep. Yeah. Oh my God. The existential stuff is always so deep if you if like there's ever any time in therapy sessions where like we're just feeling into a feeling really deeply it's it's interesting how it often goes there because there's this like there's this i don't know it's hard sometimes to talk about experiences but like when when you feel into what it's like, like say the loss of someone, right? Like then there's also a, there's, when you move through it, oftentimes there's a profound like gratitude that shows up of like, wow, I feel this pain because they are so important to me. And staying with both of those feelings there's like uh something that happens where you move deep down beyond the binary like beyond death and life and like 
it goes to this existential place of just like, what are we doing here? You know, like there is profound meaning and there's also chaos. And so much of it depends on just our frame of reference of what do we make for ourselves. That's so interesting um, that you had just mentioned that because actually my aunt had passed yesterday. And thank you. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. It, you know, it's been hard on my family, um, but we're all able to celebrate her memory because of exactly what you said, what she meant to us. And she was one of those people that was lively. Mm. She was come to the family functions and everybody would laugh and smile and she would joke. And I know that she wouldn't want us to be mourning and crying. She would want us to be celebrating the life that she lived and that is another existential mm-hmm. thing to just I want to honor her legacy and her memory by what she wanted from from us to, what she would have wanted us to do and that's to celebrate her and be happy and be joyful yeah yeah, yeah. it's beautiful so I know we talked about the dance um Can you tell me a little bit about your philosophy on the integration between mind and body? Sure. Let's see. Um, Well, have you ever heard of the book, The Body Keeps the Score? By um, Vanderkolk. He is like, he's a trauma researcher. And I'd say that was like my first integration into this work of like, okay, wow, trauma is stored in the body. Um, And being able to kind of just map out also where we feel feelings, that's something that I never paid attention to until my own therapist started doing that work with me. So like just... um, like when I would feel, when I'd feel sadness, like where it would show up for me, it does show up for me in my throat. Um, like shame is something I feel throughout my legs. Like, um, um, like feeling the sense of like what we were talking about before of like moving beyond the binary. It feels almost like a swing um, of being supported, but also like, yeah. like free. And, and so just like resourcing feelings, um, in the body, knowing what the sensations indicate for me has been probably the most empowering thing that I've ever experienced of just like, okay, there is, there's like a reason why, I am having the sensation right now and not immediately jumping to like, Oh my gosh, what is, what does this mean? Um, but kind of like having a name for it of being like, Oh, I'm sad and not having to jump to like why I'm sad, but just being like, Oh, it's just, there's sadness here. And like, having a pause between that and the meaning making that used to happen all the time in my brain um, 
just feels like there's there's just more more space for me um yeah and then and then helping people to understand their own bodies and all of the like incredible knowledge that we have like our bodies innately have to heal themselves is so cool like i often just am amazed by how people intuitively know what they need that that's something that i really want to learn more about because i feel like i hold a lot of trauma in my chest especially when it comes to anxiety Mm -hmm. like when i start to get anxious that's why i feel it at the most and i think you hit it on the head Mm -hmm. where people know what they need to heal like i have routines now in place so when i'm not feeling well or when i'm feeling Mm -hmm. some anxiety coming on when i'm feeling a depression bout i can go towards those things to kind of help myself heal um but i had to come up with those tools over years you know it took a long time yeah yeah but but like when you think about the things that you do you know like why is it that you you like thought to ever do that in the first place was it because you read it somewhere was it because like you I don't know. I guess this this we could we could talk about this for a long time because I find it so fascinating that like just oftentimes the things that people do to help them feel better yeah. are exactly yeah, what like, they need to for do. For example, one thing that I do, I, I gotta get out, sweat. So whether that's running, you know, like I love running outside when it's nice outside. Of course, we yeah. can't do it right now. It's negative three, but <laughs> in Chicago, but mm-hmm. um, running outside is very healing to me put on some music or just, you know, just going out of nature, um, lifting. It's literally like I'm lifting the weights, mm-hmm. but it's the tension that I'm feeling in my body. I'm getting something off of me. Like, I don't care who, it, you know, who says anything about lifting and how it's not productive or anything. I love lifting just because of that act of just being able to take something heavy, lift it, and, you know, get that off my chest, literally and figuratively. Um, and yeah you know i don't know how i kind of adapted or kind of rotated to doing those type of things but over time you you know you you do kind of just want to do those things more and you learn that it is healing you you gravitate to those things and Mm -hmm. um, it starts to serve you on a deeper level than just like oh i don't you know I'm, i'm just trying to lift weights to get bigger like no it actually helps my mental health yep Yes, a hundred percent. And like, I mean, I love I love that image of that literally getting it off your chest, yeah. lifting it off. It's yeah, very it empowering. Yeah, and um, and yeah, and then you you bring up how like there's a lot of there's a lot of like feelings and thoughts about the things that we do, like judgment sometimes. Oh, like maybe lifting is not so like. People say what they say about lifting, you know, like, um, I don't know particularly what that would be, but like, I, I think we oftentimes have to deal with a lot of other people's thoughts in our own healing and like combating what they think that we should do or shouldn't do is a 
big, big part of it. Like one of the things that I think a lot of people kind of, they can beat themselves up about is like binging TV. So like say someone's really depressed and they're just like, they're finding themselves watching a ton of TV. I mean, the thing that I always want to know is what are you watching? Because there's oftentimes some sort of a connection. Like there's, there's something about the TV show that is healing. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's an escape or it's like about an adventure or, um, I don't know. I, I, I wish I had a better example, but like just one, there, there was this one, there was this one client of mine who she was watching Gilmore girls and she had this like really like just difficult relationship with her mom. And that whole storyline is about the, you know, the two, the mom and the daughter and like they have a, they seem to have a really solid relationship. That's like very authentic and like, they yeah so so like this this one young woman was just like finding it so healing to watch this show because she was missing that you know in her own life that is deep um one of the one of my favorite shows of all times is entourage and i think that it's one of the best shows and i think i relate to it on a more like existential level because it's a group of friends that go to pursue their dreams and it's one friend that kind of they went there for but they all start to find themselves and that to me is like we came here with nothing we were just following him but we all came out of this with purpose (laughs) and with drive and it was you know and that that's one show that i can watch that just makes me feel better i can turn on any season any episode and I just start to feel better because of that imagery of people, you know, this band of brothers sticking together and coming together for a common goal and finding themselves. Sounds very <laughs> fitting. <laughs> yes. But as we That's land here, cool. um, I want to give you an opportunity to let the viewers know where they can find you if you would like to be found. Um, you know, you can shout out any type of social medias, LinkedIn's, anything that you want um, in this moment. Oh, cool. I am really not on social media, but I am I am practicing and my my I mean, I got openings. If anyone's looking for a therapist, I practice at Skylight Counseling Center. It's a group psychotherapy practice. Um, you can just find my name on there, I think. Yeah. Just absolutely. search Cindy. Go to the website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And before you go, I Thanks. like to do this with all my guests and it's just a moment to give you your flowers. Um, first of all, I like to Thank you for just being on this show, this podcast. Um, it's because of guests like you that I'm able to curate content, that I'm able to ask tough questions, that I'm able to give things to my listeners. So I just really appreciate you taking the time. And I just thank you for the work that you're doing as a counselor. Um, I know that it's very rewarding to you, Inner, but you might not get all the accolades that, say, <laughs> a movie star or a professional athlete gets, but you are 
this generation of superheroes mm-hmm. because there are so many different um, issues, mental health wise, that people are going through, and you, people like you, are keeping our society whole and healing. And so, I just want you to know that mm-hmm. I appreciate and love your work, and I love you for the person that you are. And I want you to continue to do what you love to do and you're passionate about and just keep growing. Oh my God. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing this podcast. I think what you're doing is absolutely incredible. Like it's really just making it very like mental health, very accessible and talking about it openly in this way is it's just really um it's really important that we do this and yeah yeah um yeah oh and i was gonna say too that like something that i keep on circling back to um is like this idea that change in one person rarely if ever stops at that one person so even if this if this conversation changed like one person's maybe beliefs about say going into therapy or like becoming a therapist or, you know, just understanding themselves or their, like their loved ones in a different way, then, you know, like I'm just like, I'm happy to have, have been here with you. And um, I hope that, I hope that people just take away how powerful Mm -hmm they are to be able to affect change in their own lives and then also by being the change to change their communities to change you know the world wow you know what we can end it right there that was powerful um i'm I'm not gonna be able to follow that up at all um cindy i really appreciate you coming on the show seriously and taking the time for everybody that's listening, you can reach Cindy Nelson at the Skylight Counseling. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you have a blessed day.